This week's podcast brought to you by Walking Boots. I was running on a very hot day recently. In the middle of the day, I shouldn't have been. It was stupid. And um, uh, as I was on my way back, hot, bothered, a pickup truck turned around to me, and I could feel it not passing me. It was slowing down and driving alongside me. And I said, what does this guy want? What is the smart aleck comment going to be? What is the you know health warning going to be? I know I shouldn't be running. I know I look like an idiot. And as he slowed down, window down, Fu Manchu, sunglasses, he said to me, I have cold water in the back of my truck. Would you like some? And though I declined, it was very nice of him, I did feel ashamed and like an idiot. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. The other day I was driving, and um, right in front of me was a, a sedan that had a student driver sticker, bumper sticker, or whatever on it. And um, I got up to a place where the car was right next to me because there were two lanes and there was a high school age kid with his seat all the way up. So his belly, it looked like, was touching the steering wheel and he was chomping on gum and blowing bubbles. And next to him was a guy, um, an adult in the passenger seat, kind of just chilling and um it, it struck me more that it might have been a parent with a, with their kid as a student driver. Um, but who knows? Maybe it was um, from a driving school. But uh, as soon as I see the student driver bumper sticker, it's like, all right, that that driver has a pass if they don't use their blink or whatever happens. Like you're just more careful. At least I am when I see a student driver bumper sticker. And then... Uh, and you see those or magnets or whatever written on the car. The bumper sticker is for the long-term student. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, what, you know what I mean? Anytime a car indicates that there's a student driver, um, it makes me drive differently around them or at least think differently about them as a driver. What I saw then after that, but also within the last week that I haven't seen before um, on a car was it just said new driver. And I was like, oh. New or nude? <laughs> New, N-E-W. And I thought, well, that's a great idea too, because it's not a student driver. It, it was not somebody who had an adult in the passenger seat, um, but it was a new driver. And my the way I viewed that driver immediately changed. And maybe it's because we have two of our kids driving now. I don't know. But, um, but it just made me look at that car differently than every other car that was surrounding me at the moment. I feel the same way about the student driver sticker or magnet, and I want to get one for my own car and leave it on permanently and have people give me the benefit of the doubt. Uh, new driver, I'm less sympathetic to. I've never seen that, and that just says I'm not going to study. 
I'm not going to be a student of traffic. I'm just going to start driving. No, it just means it's somebody who just got their license. They're not a student driver anymore. Oh, I see. Because they don't have the adult in the passenger seat, but they've only had their license for a short amount of time. Oh, I like that. What did you think it meant? I didn't. I, I thought it meant I'm 37. I've never <laughs> driven before. I'm driving now. I've just moved from the city, uh, and and now I finally yeah. need my license. Um, I mean, I thought it was part of the collection. Bad driver? That would be a good magnet. <laughs> no. Distracted new. driver? It's better, I suppose, than inexperienced, but new driver. I thought it was a, a good idea. I, I think so, too. I like I, that. I can't imagine our, our, our daughter, who is sort of a new driver, would ever want that on her car, especially, or on the car she drives, I should say, especially if she was pulling into the high school parking lot. Um but I thought it was a good idea. And then, and then, new to driver <laughs> is all, has a whole different, whole different uh, thing. vibe to it. Yeah, a lot of those uh, truckers pulling that. Yeah, that would have a lot of cars speeding up to get next to it, so people could take a glimpse in. <laughs> I don't know um, what prompted this, but just yesterday, our youngest, who's twelve, asked me, um, "Mom, which one of your basketball injuries hurt the most she said was it when you um tore your knee and i and i was like uh yeah probably and um and then i went mentioned some of the other injuries i had could um, it have been your hideously disfigured pinky finger that prompted what, this conversation i don't know it, like it, it's not like she saw my finger and then started asking the other questions i don't know i'm gonna have to ask her today what prompted her to, what prompted her to to go there but um, but then she said, which one of your injuries hurt the least? And I said, well, I don't, I can't answer that. I said, because it's not really memorable if it hurt the least. And, uh, she said, then she started naming some and she said, um, you know, did you ever like break a bone? I said, oh yeah. When I was a kid in uh, elementary school, I think I was like in third grade, I fell off the swings and I fractured my wrist. And I said, that probably hurt the least because that was one where I didn't even know it was fractured right away, whatever. Um, but then I had to get a cast on it. And what I loved more than um, any of the other part of this conversation, she said, what color did you choose for your cast? And I just laughed and I said, no. In those days, you got a white cast. There was no choosing colors. There was no waterproof casts. You just got a white contraption on whatever your uh, broken bone was. But I thought it was sweet because, of course, in her world, um, just like we couldn't choose the color of our braces um, bands, like everybody just had silver braces and clear rubber bands or whatever, um, they have a very much more colorful world than we had in our day. When Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles in the Monday Night Football game, that is just last night as we're recording this, they put him in a, I think it was a black walking boot. Yeah. They showed in the tunnel, he probably didn't uh, even have the option to choose the color of the boot, much you less the time. I don't... I've seen a lot of athletes in walking boots, and they're usually gray or black. I I don't think I've ever seen a colorful walking boot. That's that's where some um, medical supply company could branch out, separate themselves, make it, some cute walking boot colors. It's a weird phrase because aren't all boots theoretically walking boots? These yeah, boots are made, made for, for walking, walking, as yeah. Nancy Sinatra so memorably put it. Right and. Uh, 
Is there a non-walking boot? Um, but it, there's it, the boot that they put on your on your car, so you can't drive it. That's a that's the opposite there, of a walking there, boot. There are some, isn't that there, isn't that what it's called? There have been some Jets quarterbacks who they should have put in that kind of a boot. <laughs> that's called a Denver boot, actually. Oh, is it? It's called the Denver boot, and there's the boot that you can drink out of the glass beer boot, right? I see, yeah, yeah. That wasn't that one isn't made for walking. Oh, that boot is made for drinking. Yes. And the Denver boot, those boots are made for locking. Yes. Well, I think we've exhausted this topic. And so as we're in the um Oh, this is probably where our daughter got the uh inspiration for her question about my injuries. As walking through the kitchen yesterday and barefoot, because I don't wear shoes in the house. And I caught my pinky toe on like a corner of the kitchen island. I was there. You were there. And it- I didn't have to be there. I could have heard it from three counties away. That's not true. I I quickly exclaimed something and then just waited for the pain to go away. And it didn't go away as quickly as it should have. And I just knew like- pretty sure the little thing's fractured but it's it's got something going on it's it's a it was a painful thing and i broke my pinky toe i think it was my pinky toe um my senior year in college during the preseason um where they they had to actually put something into my shoe to prevent the toe from bending um so that i could play but it was like it was it was a real, it was a real deal. A pinky restrictor. Yeah. Yes. It's like just this hard plate they, they put in the front of the shoe so I couldn't bend that made, toe. Made by the same people that make tongue depressors. <laughs> the, the pinky toe restrictor. The pinky depressor. Yeah. Yes. Um, and anyway, that then made me think this morning, because ever since I did that last night, when I've been walking around the house, I have my slippers on so that if I bump my toe, it won't get yanked out to the side again. And my senior year at UConn, we would do uh, Secret Santas. And Coach Orama got me, he was my Secret Santa. And the gift he gave me was a pair of, I think it was slippers. It could have been slides. I'm pretty sure it was slippers. With Because how I had done it was like getting up in the night to go use the bathroom or something and ding, dinged my toe. Um, in the dorm. So he gave me the slippers with a mini flashlight taped to the side that I was then supposed to use if I ever needed to get up in the night again so my my toes could see where they were going and I wouldn't break my toe. Um, And that also then made me think about my junior year. Um, Coach Oriama gave every player on the team the Dr. Seuss book, Oh, the Places You'll Go. And um, and I knew I had that somewhere. So this morning I was looking for it. I was able to find it and um, just had a really nice inscription on the inside. I'm going to take a picture and post this. And um, <laughs> some I might have to post like the um, translation too, because I can read his, uh, his cursive, but I don't know that everybody can. Anyway, um, I know this this is a book that people give a lot during graduation time and stuff, but um but this meant a lot to me because he gave it to me so my junior year Christmas, um that was right after my mom had been diagnosed with breast cancer and Coach Oriam was one of the few people who knew about it. But um I don't know. 
this is one of those books that I will keep until it's time for me to go. That's the last place you'll go. <laughs> right. he, I thought you were going to say he gave you a book, Oh, the State of Your Toe. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, that would have been the following year. What is it about Denver, by the way, that has inspired not one, but at least two Denver-specific, the Denver boot, the Denver omelet? That just inspires stuff? Well, how many cities have a, have a modifier specific to two completely different things like that? I can't think of any others right now. I'm sure I will once we stop recording. But yeah, I'm sure you'll think a lot of them. That's how your brain works. Perhaps one of the reasons you were uh, you stubbed your pinky toe yesterday navigating your way around the kitchen is we still have the, the leaf in the kitchen table from Thanksgiving. So we've got the kitchen table extended. And we've kept it extended because for a while it served as our ping pong table. Still will. But as That's the, the only reason it stayed extended is because, no, because you guys were playing ping pong on in it. In the past week, we've been doing uh, puzzles on it. Well, yes. But initially, because usually right after Thanksgiving, there's no reason to have the table as long as it is. It takes up too much of the kitchen and it makes the kitchen hard to navigate. But then you guys started playing ping pong. I did too. You also you also bruised your I bruised thigh my on. thigh trying to walk around because there's it's really <laughs> – on the, on the narrow the area that we have left ourselves to get between the kitchen table and the kitchen island. Um, but what I was going to say was- Well, can I just throw in there like yes. it, playing ping pong has been the best use of that kitchen table maybe other than Thanksgiving when we have tons of people around it. And we have our dinners there and stuff too, but it was just an incredible f fun stretch at the end of the summer where we were playing ping pong on our kitchen table. You made a nice dinner last night, spaghetti and meat sauce. Uh, Italian bread, salad, and everybody had a perfectly pleasant, enjoyable repast. But I, I do believe it was less than 90 seconds from the time our eighth grader sat down before she said, can I be done? May I be excused? Maybe, may I be excused is the ideal, but I think I think it may have been, can I be done? Um, and uh, Well, that's 90 seconds after all of us sat down as much as I tell the children to not start eating until we've all taken our seats, it's hard, especially last night. A lot of them hadn't had any kind of after-school snack or anything, and they were just hungry. And um, they're sitting there looking at this cheesy bread. Can I at least start with some bread? And I'm saying, no, just wait for the rest of the food to come over. I remember my mom doing that, too. And um, I don't know that it really serves a purpose, but uh. <laughs> well, your mom, I'm sure, was don't fill up on bread at the restaurant. Yeah, that's, that's true how they too. get you. But that's um, not how they get you because they they don't want you to fill up on bread. They want you to be hungry and buy the non-free stuff. True. But um, the reason I brought up the kitchen table and the puzzling is because we've done two thousand-piece puzzles, brand new. When I say we, the entire, well, most of the most of the family. Everybody who's here has more or less participated, sometimes in a grim factory-like environment that you fostered. No, no, no. I'm going to sort the colors, and you're so going to do the, the, the edges, and uh, no, no, you can't work on my section. It's very, it's very, uh, it's both competitive and a little bit uh, territorial, which I don't, I don't enjoy. So let me just interject. But, so we did a puzzle, and then- Opened, I opened a box for the next puzzle, and I just started organizing it by color. Like I would push the, the 
the edge pieces to the side and I just start organizing the pieces by color so that it's so much easier to put them together when it's time to put them together. And you guys are giving me a hard time about that because I think our son came over and started putting stuff together. I said, don't put it together yet. Let me at least finish organizing these pieces. And then you turned it into me taking all the fun out of puzzling when all I'm trying to do is make the puzzling experience even better. I'm the sous chef of puzzling. It's a puzzling sweatshop with child labor. It's no. You're you're going to grimly sort over there. But but that's not even the reason I bring it up. The reason I bring it up is so we finished the first puzzle. And how many pieces were missing? In the first one, uh, it's like three. I unwrapped the thing. I... Yeah, it's not an Check old out puzzle. The bag. Yeah, it's brand new puzzle. So we do the second puzzle, and there are only three of the four corner pieces. So we are missing the upper left corner, which was makes it unsatisfying when you finish the puzzle. Also, brand new puzzle, only only opened on that table. All of the the bag that it came in is still in the box. There, there's no place it could have gone. No, just wasn't in there in the first place. No. Nope. Well, I think a sign of in. Increasing senility at age, aside from doing puzzles at the kitchen table (laughs) that weren't enough, is forgetting stuff. And this isn't so much forgetting as wondering if I ever knew it in the first place. I called you this week from the car. I think you were in the car at the same time. Maybe you weren't at the car at the same time. And I said- No, it would be a certain sign of senility. If you were calling me and we were in the same car. That, that's that's next. And and, and I have the, the bumper magnet that says old driver. Should probably <laughs> be a good one as well. Um that would just be the turn signal. But um I said, Am I am I mistaken to believe that I'm safe from lightning in the car? And you said, No, of course you're safe from lightning in the car. The tires ground you. And I said, because there's lightning striking all around me. Now, I was in an area where there are warehouses and, and uh, trees, and, and I could see the lightning clearly striking the ground beyond the warehouses and behind the, the stand of trees and whatnot. And, and it was freaking me out, driving in, in torrential rain uh, through, uh, surrounded by lightning. And that happened, I think, three times in the last four days this week where it was raining harder than the windshield could keep up with at its highest setting. There was lightning everywhere to the point where. And the wind was, was making the rain even that much more troublesome and completely eliminating, eliminating any um, visibility. I mean, I've driven long distances with my hazards on more times in the last three few weeks than yeah, I have, yeah. I think in my life, Previously, yeah, and I know there's been you know uh, uh, bad weather everywhere, but you and I were driving at the same time from the same place, two different routes home because I was going to stop at the grocery and had to go a different way. When this one rain and lightning storm started, and when we both got home at, at different times, we had both pulled over during that. During that drive, I didn't want to call you because I, didn't, I knew you didn't need any more distractions than the weather was already providing. But when we both got home, I said, I said, that was one of the worst drives of my life. And you said. It was the worst drive of my life, without question. I mean, it was a white knuckle. You talk about the kid, the student driver, you know, hunched over the wheel, chomping on his yeah. gum. I was 
hunched over the wheel, chomping on my nails. It was it was freaky because for a while there was no place that I could pull over. Right. And when I finally I finally did pull over in um, in a Jersey Mike's, and I said, because I you know I didn't feel like it was safe to drive. There were cars on on the street. I thought the rain was just intensifying. Yeah. As I sat there, I said, I could sit here all night. Is this ever going to stop? Is this the apocalypse? And so eventually I drove on to the grocery store parking lot and taking my life into my own hands, ran from the car into the grocery store because there was lightning crack. I, I, why am I doing this? I, is, um, it, is, it, is it risk? Is it worth risking one's life? For like out, a loaf of bread? For, for a box of bagel bites. Right. Yes, turns out to be the answer. Depends <laughs> well, how hungry you are. I didn't. I didn't pull over because there was nowhere that I could. Um, I was assessing. I'm like looking both sides, and like there's if there had been a parking lot, a big parking lot, that's where I would have pulled over. But on my drive, there wasn't one. Couldn't pull over to the shoulder of the road because that would have been more dangerous because you couldn't see more than two feet in front of you, so a car could have hit me. But also because we're in this wind, this incredible wind. And lightning, I'm thinking, okay, where is safe for me to park if a power line or a tree comes down? And there was nowhere along, there was nowhere along my route. It was like my whole drive was risk assessment from can I see in front of me? Can, is there anywhere for me to, um, to pull over? So. Anyway, I, I, I looked it up and actually maybe it's not, maybe it has nothing to do with the, um, the tires grounding you because I put, are you safe from, and it auto-filled lightning in a car. And it says, the good news is that the outer metal shell of hard-topped metal vehicles does provide protection to those inside a vehicle with the windows closed. And then there's a picture. Oh, that's alarming because I was driving a cabriolet convertible. It's hilarious. There's a picture of a, of a, you know, a normal car with the windows up with a check next to it. And then there's a picture of a convertible with a red X next really, to it. Really, you're not safe from lightning while driving a convertible <laughs> with a top down. So, uh, so yeah, and I suppose that car is grounded too by the tires, but uh, but you are very accessible to the lightning. I'm grounded by my family, my upbringing, my wife, but, but not my tires. Yes. Um, so I ran into the grocery, ran back out of the grocery with – a few groceries, was still soaking wet when I got back in the car and had to peel off my wet shirt. So you know I was grateful for my new driver magnet <laughs> when I got back in the car. I may not see you again for a while. This is, as we record this on a Tuesday, you're off uh, off to the races starting tomorrow on the trail of the WNBA playoffs and yes. will be for the next month. And, and, or to, so. and to keep the weather theme going, yesterday our twelve-year-old said, uh, "When is the hurricane supposed to hit New York and New England?" And I said, "Huh?" And I looked it up, and Hurricane Lee coming this way might uh, hit New York and New England on Saturday. And I'm just thinking, I'm supposed to fly to Vegas on Saturday. So anyway, yes, t- as we record this tomorrow, Wednesday, Connecticut Sun first round playoff game. I'll be there Friday, Brooklyn. New York Liberty first round playoff game. That's going to be a great series too with Washington Mystics. Then I'm supposed to go to Vegas for their game on Sunday, then come back to do Liberty. And then who, and then, then it's the time of year where it's, all right, who, where does each series sit? Where am I going? And um, although if the hurricane comes, I don't know if I'll be uh, making that trip to Vegas or not, but uh, WNBA playoffs should be really good this year. It was a great regular season. Vegas, New York are the favorites. Um, 
Connecticut is is always sneaky. Dallas as well, and who knows Washington now that they're healthy if they're going to cause some problems for people. But um, it'll be fun. Shall we get to viewer mail? Yeah, let's get to viewer mail. Big bad hook, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Our first viewer mail comes from Matt in Fishers Island. Matt writes, hello, Steve and Rebecca. Steve, this is for you. I tagged you on Twitter slash X, but I wanted to send it to you in case you didn't see that. The link below will lead you to one man's quest to find out the reason why a seemingly innocuous pedestrian bridge exists over Interstate 494 near the Minneapolis airport. It's a well-researched and fascinating story that I'm sure you will enjoy. And indeed, Matt encloses a link to a story that a couple of people sent me on uh, social media, including Matt. And and I read it. And it is a very interesting piece about um, a pedestrian footbridge that spans... Interstate 494, the it, that that is kind of in Bloomington, my hometown. Mm-hmm. Bridge is Bloomington. The bridge goes from Bloomington into Richfield, but it seems to lead from no place to no place. You know, like it starts out at a warehouse on one side and some parking lot or something on the other side. Mm-hmm. And the the writer of the piece, who I should mention, to look him up, is uh, 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 Tyler. Vegan, V-I-G-E-N, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing his name, uh, TylerVegan.com. And and he researched at, at great length why this bridge existed in the first place. So when the Eisenhower interstate system came into the 1950s, um, you know, he asked the people in the warehouse, they said, we don't want this bridge. Trash accumulates under the stairwell of it. You know, we wish it weren't here. He couldn't, people didn't know why, people didn't know why it was there. And and he asked a lot of people and eventually he landed on the, the answer, which I won't spoil it for people if they want to read it, but um, it's called The Mystery of the Bloomfield Bridge. And the reason it's there is something that kind of resonates with me in my childhood. So a few people sent it to me, I think, for that reason. But it's 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 one of these pieces that I see more often these days where the the writer is writing about his or her own research and trying to, you know, answer a question that he or she had. Um, and in this case, it's, it, sometimes those aren't well done. This one is, I think, very well done. So it's a pedest- about a pedestrian bridge, but it's not a pedestrian story. I'm going to post it on our, um, I mean, on it, our ball and chain it, Twitter account okay, or it, X account, whatever it's called. It, I'm going to do that right now. Very specific. Um, but, uh, but some people might find it interesting. I certainly did. Uh, our next uh, viewer mail comes from Kate, our resident pediatric oncology nurse. Hello, Kate. Kate says, hi back. Hi, Steve and Rebecca. This week's adventures at your dentist office made me laugh as I have had several mind-boggling experiences at the dentist, which is the last place I expect to be mind-boggled. <laughs> I think mind-boggling is part of you know flossing, polishing, and, and boggling. I switched to my current dentist after COVID, writes Kate, had one appointment and then dutifully reported back again exactly at exactly six months, during which the dentist informed me I had four cavities. I questioned this count, as at that point, I had not had a single cavity for all 28 years of my life. The dentist sheepishly pointed to a poorly done x-ray in which one small cavity wasn't caught and then infected a second tooth. 
She then proceeded to clean my teeth, the dentist, not the hygienist, despite the hygienist standing next to me. And I'm not sure what she was doing with the water hose, but I was somehow soaked by the time she was done. I then tried making appointments for the cavity fillings, a six-month routine appointment, and a consultation for another procedure. But the receptionist wouldn't allow me to make all of those appointments at the time at that time, as she was concerned it would, quote, just be too many appointments to keep track of, end quote. (laughs) I resisted telling her I am licensed to give chemotherapy and would be perfectly fine managing three dates in my head, and so decided to just call back to make the appointments. When I showed up for the six-month appointment, not a single car was in the lot at 8.45 in the morning. Only the receptionist was there until someone in scrubs came running through the door, who I presumed to be the dentist since no other staff members were there. He came and got me in the waiting room, introduced himself as the hygienist, and asked, did anyone tell you there is no dentist here today? (laughs) I said, I said, at my dentist appointment? No, they didn't. He cleaned my teeth and told me he was, quote, pretty sure I didn't have any cavities, but considering my track record at this place, I didn't feel too confident in his assessment. That's exactly what I was told, Rebecca, by the hygienist. She was pretty sure I was good to go. All of this recently culminated in, in me receiving a letter from my insurance company that this office no longer supports my dental plan. Good riddance, I guess. Best of luck at your follow-up appointments in six, or I guess nine, months. This hey, this office no longer supports your dental plan, or your dental plan no longer is willing to support yeah. this office. Well, I mean, it is it is it is tough when when uh, you need a separate appointment to, when when your dentist appointment doesn't doesn't uh, entail you seeing the dentist, right? But it sounds like we've both had that experience. Recently, so maybe that's a, a new thing. Who knows? You know, Andy Warhol kind of outsourced a lot of his and, and many other artists to uh, apprentices and, you know, young artists replicating their work and selling it, you know, as his own. I think that's the future and maybe even the present of dentistry. That's, uh, I didn't know that was a thing. Andy Warhol did that. The factory, you know, and uh, lots of, lots of like artists. Famously. Lots of artists. Uh, like I know writers sometimes do that, you know, the ones who, who churn out fiction yeah well like they put their i mean there were sort of brand names on on yeah genre novels that but uh, i didn't know it was a a, a uh, thing patterson, for james patterson i think kind of outlines plots and then sometimes turns it over to somebody else with his name and giant type and another guy's name and small type i don't know but it's a thing in art as well huh oh yeah yeah i mean i i not well versed in any of this stuff but um yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Our next viewer mail. Oh, now I'm feeling uh, chastened, Rebecca, and I hope I hope you can, all can hear this because the next viewer mail, the headline, the the uh, header on the email is "Speak a little louder." Oh, hi. Is that like saying preach, or is that like literally your volume's not high enough? I think it's the latter, but let's see. Hi! Exclamation mark. So if she's typing loudly. Hi, writes Beth from Tolland. I enjoy your podcast. Your voices are calming and your banter back and forth is funny. I would, however, like to suggest Rebecca to speak up or speak closer to the microphone. Steve is loud and clear, but I can barely hear Rebecca. Therefore, when I turn up the sound, Steve is too loud. Keep up the great work. Beth from Tolland. Thank you, Beth. sister. Steve is always too loud. You know, Steve is closer to the microphone. That's it. Yeah. Today, I'm, I've been better. I've actually... I hadn't listened to our podcast in a long time, and then I was listening to part of one recently, and I noticed that same thing, that our volumes are different, and it's I think it's completely because of um, how close, how much closer you sit to the microphone than I do. Not, not physically. Our volumes aren't different. 
What's that? Physically, our volumes are no different. We occupy the same amount of space. You have slight more volume than me. I do you have. Say? I do have more volume. Yeah. yeah. But what area? I guess is pretty spot on, though. Yeah, pretty close. I don't know. Uh, well, thank you, Beth. I, I'll, I will. Should I back away from the microphone, Rebecca, so that we're of equal volume, or should you just sit closer to the mic? No, you do exactly what you've been doing. I've made the adjustment, and hopefully there will be a difference noticed um, this week. Let's hope so. Uh, Mark in Michigan writes, Rebecca and Steve, as a, quote, self-certified completionist of the Ball and Chain podcast, I became aware of the tradition of treating Rebecca to Swedish fish. Ah, I'm happy to report I was able to, quote, make the drop directly to Rebecca during pregame of the New York Liberty versus Las Vegas Aces game on Monday, August 28th, 2023. You know, it's funny because I just posted the article you were talking about, the footbridge, on our our Ball and Chain Twitter account. Right below it, as you're reading that, I have the previous tweet, which was the picture of the Swedish fish that he gave me prior to the game. The aforementioned WNBA tilt was one of many activities during my recent visit to see my Brooklyn-based daughter. My daughter, and hopefully Rebecca, loved my game day attire, which consisted of an eBay-procured New York Liberty number 50 Lobo jersey. I loved it, and I told him that when I saw him in it. Speaking of eBay procurement, Rebecca, you Ah. procured uh, something from eBay. I think it's only the second thing I've ever bought off of eBay. Um, But I did. I I wanted a new – well, new – uh, two tablespoon coffee bean scoop. And the old one I had, which I loved, I had bought at the original Starbucks, I don't know how many years ago. In Seattle. In Seattle. I may have talked about this because then last year, I think it was last year, maybe the year before I went, when I was back in Seattle, I waited in the long line to get into the original Starbucks just to get another one of those spoons. There was a prohibitively long line this summer when we were in Seattle. Yeah. And that's the, the line was similar when I was yeah. there the previous time because it was in the summer. I was there for, for a WNBA game. Anyway, got up there. They no longer have them. I waited in line and left with nothing. So anyway, um, they don't sell them anymore. But I was able to find one on eBay, just one. It's not like there were a number of them to choose from. And I I got my little spoon in the mail yesterday, soaked it for like an hour in soapy water, and I'm happy about my purchase. Now, God knows what this spoon has been used for in the past. I know. And if the eBay seller has any sense, or at least sense of humor – about a week after you receive the spoon, which would be in a few days from now, you would be receiving photographs of that spoon <laughs> used in uh, unspeakable acts. Oh, oh, yeah. I, I, it came from New York City, so that it opens up the possibilities even greater yes. of what it could be used for. <laughs> Upper East Side two tablespoon scooper. Anyway, uh, Mark in Michigan, thank you for your email. It continues, this is my first time communicating with you via email, but we did have a Twitter exchange discussing the merits of bike brand coaching shorts, as highlighted in the very early episode of the podcast. Very early episode. That might have been one of the first things I ever posted on our Instagram account was a picture of like a model, a male, like gym teacher looking guy just from like his torso down in bike coach shorts. Everything has come back. How have those not come back or have they? I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. 
I don't think they have. Thank Certainly, goodness. I think we would all appreciate the elasticated waistband with the two snaps mm. and the and the uh, and the pockets. And why were they white usually? The Just, shorts? No, yeah. no, no. I think of the classic ones as being red. But oh, they had them in white. They had them in, in black, various colors. Whatever gray. color your high school football team was, well, they had true. that color for your yep. coach. Oof, so bad. So good. Are you kidding? Okay, so good. We loved them at the time. Thanks for sharing your entertaining anecdotes with the Ball and Chain listeners. Mark from Michigan. Thank you, Mark. We appreciate it. And and thank you, especially for the Swedish fish. By the way, Holly Rowe came over after soon after I got them and she said, they had those on the snack table? Because there's a, a snack. I said, no. Fan just gave them to me. She said, can I have some <laughs> Swedish fish? They're, they're yummy. By the way, I scrolled down after I had um, read the thing about, you know, convertible bad in Lightning. And um, and again, who knows how truthful or accurate this is? But the question had been, you know, what you should should you do if you're driving in a lightning storm? And uh, this person's answer is safest is to stay in the car, even if lightning strikes the surrounding car body. Inside space is safe. Do not try to get out of the car for some time, as the charge on the car body will jump to the earth through your body, causing electrocution. If the humidity in the air is more, the car body change will dissipate itself after some time. Probably it is safe to have a metallic chain hanging from car body touching the ground to discharge the static charges. Anyway, if you're in a car that gets struck by lightning, according to this guy, do not get out of the car then for some time. I don't know what some time means. Um, There's one way to find out. And probably not the way you want to find out by getting yeah. out of the car. And uh, Dr. Siegel did send a racing report, but there was no attachment to it. So I, I think that got lost in in the email or in the logistics of sending the email. But that would have been a report from Monza in Italy. I think that was the last Formula One race, uh, the classic Italian circuit Manza, just a great name to say, Rebecca. Yes. And uh, I can report on Dr. Siegel's behalf that Max Verstappen and Red Bull finished one and uh, Perez of Red Bull in second place. Ferrari took three and four, P's three and four, and Mercedes took P's five and six with Lewis Hamilton in sixth place, Rebecca. P's, that's how they say Yeah, instead of position or place, they say P's. So I... I, um, yeah, it's one of the oddities of, of F1. But um, we continue to wish Dr. Siegel all the best. I hope he's enjoying the Braves and uh, whatever F1 news is in between races. And Rebecca, do you have anything else you would like to say on this podcast? Nothing else I want to say other than thank you to Tom DeCari and Denny. Um, band, play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest. 
Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test Androgynous ambiguous what we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on happiness lane It's hard to tell right here on happiness lane Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.